everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, we welcome Max Newland of Focus Calm. Monitoring the electrical activity in your brain may seem like a sci-fi leap in performance, but believe it or not, it's the next natural and effective step in sports psychology. However, Focus and Calm are not just athlete essentials. They are a necessity in every person's life to better conquer the rigors of acute stress. Here it is, episode 541. Meditation's back, baby. Uh, did it ever really leave? I don't know. I never got into it. Well, you what, what you needed is a fancy tech that blinks to get you into meditation. No, it's accountability. Mm. Or gamifying. So now I... Yeah, it tricks me into mental progress. Um, is the uh, is the unit that we're wearing on the heads, because you know, we got these a couple, which is more than a couple weeks ago, um, but does the unit actually do something to enhance the meditation or is the unit just like a feedback for the meditation? Yeah, it's more like a, like a wearable in the sense that it's tracking your progress, but there's this interesting mechanism or tool in the app where when you see your progress in real time, you can actually learn to control your brain state. So if you guys were playing around maybe with the rocket ship game, the more you lean into that focused and calm state, the higher the rocket ship goes. So you can actually play with it in real time in addition to kind of seeing your progress over time. You know, how much stronger are you getting at this mental state? All right, well, for the audience that can't see us, the people that are listening at home, the mm-hmm. tens of people that are listening on Spotify <laughs> and other places. Hi, Dad. Uh, thanks, Mom. Uh, can you give the the people a rundown of exactly what the product is, how it looks, and more importantly, just like the nuts and bolts, so at least they can get up to where we're sitting today? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, pretty cool tech, but it's not too not too complicated in terms of the concepts. I think people will resonate with the concepts. So imagine a headband. That's basically what Focus Calm is. It's a headband and it sits on your forehead and just kind of like a heart rate monitor picks up the data from your heart rate and, and maybe some other metrics from that. The headband is picking up the activity of your brain instead of your heart. So your brain is always giving off these subtle electrical signals. And if you've ever seen a picture of someone with a bunch of wires coming off their head, that's called EEG. It's the same technology that they use for sleep studies or things like that. It's a miniaturized headband version of EEG technology. So we're measuring the activity of your brain uh, passively. So nothing is going in. We're only measuring what's naturally coming out. Again, just kind of like a heart rate monitor. And then based on our algorithm, we can tell how at ease or relaxed and focused your mind is versus if your mind looks really busy, maybe anxious or stressed. And the whole platform does a few things. It teaches you techniques, breathing techniques, meditation techniques, sports psychology perspectives that train you how to get into that space, that relaxed, calm, and focused space. And you can see your progress over time. And then also has games that will train you to enter into that state. And the really neat thing that we've put together, and this came from the guys from F1, was not just teaching people how to relax, but teaching people how to relax under pressure. So how do you actually apply these skills of relaxation in a more real world environment? And how'd you get connected with the F1 guys? I'd listened to an interview that you passed along where you were highlighting that. And then we just talked to 
Connor Daly, who's who's IndyCar and oh, but but also ran uh, F1. Yeah, he did run F1 at this moment in time, Indy. So, like, how'd you get connected with those guys and get them to try and deep dive into this? You know, I wish I could say it was purely out of our genius that we <laughs> ended up with these guys, but actually, uh, and I think this is true of a lot of startup journeys. There's a mix of luck and hard work. And I bet you guys, you know, that's true in a lot of different areas of life. Uh, but they were already using similar technology. Um, and they saw us at a conference and we started talking and we knew what technology they were using and we knew we could do a better job than the products that they were already using. So we offered to have them try our technology instead. Within a couple of weeks, they completely replaced their arsenal of neurotechnology with our headbands. Uh, and that it's been like a two or three year relationship. And over time we've developed uh, that connection with them, learn from them, they've learned from us. And the, the core insight was, you know, we have these F1 drivers, some of the best athletes in the world, learning how to stay calm under pressure so they can perform their best and also just feel less stressed in the rest of their life. Uh, wouldn't it be interesting if we could apply that tech in other spaces for other people? And then we started to develop what is now called Focus Calm. Did, uh, I mean, uh, like we were obviously seeing the headband. I'm assuming that they're putting it in their helmets or you guys are putting it in their helmets. So they're doing the training alongside their physical training. So similarly to uh, strength training or reflex training that different athletes do, this is part of their mental training. So they have their gym where they work out and then they also have special sections where they do their, their mental training. So the, the paradigm or the idea here is um, you could use it during certain types of practice, but actually just getting about 15 minutes of this mental training in a day will help you have, be more focused and more calm. So it complements the physical training. And there's some really cool analogies that I think really click with people as it relates to physical training and this mental training. There's a lot of similarities. So where would, um, like if uh, somebody was starting brand new, like they just got it out of the box, I started going through, I mean, there's, uh, there's programs, there's games, there's, um, you know, assessments, like where does somebody start? And more importantly, like what's the time commitment and like how does it fit? Is it a pre and post workout before bed? Or is it just like a, a holistic, like, you know, find, you know, fit it in where it gets in kind of a deal? Yeah, yeah. it depends on, on what you want to get out of it. So if you think of it like um, other fitness equipment, depending on your program or what you're trying to accomplish, you're going to use it at different times. So we have some athletes that use it before bed because they're particularly using focused calm to help with sleep. We have some athletes that will do it during training. So we have some Olympic weightlifters. If they miss a lift and uh, their their mind starts to, you know, get less focused or go into a place that they don't want it to go, they'll sit down and do five minutes of a focus calm to refocus their mind and they can see that their brain's in the right state to perform. Uh, and then for a lot of people, you know, more uh, general public and the way that we've done our research studies is just get get your seven minutes of focus calm in. So what we found is if you can get into the state for seven minutes a day, it's correlated with all these different benefits that we see in our studies, you know, less anxiety, better well-being, less burnout, et cetera. Um, and there are some different features in the app to help people get started. So the most simple one is doing the daily challenge. It's a new combination of training. It takes about 15 minutes to do per day. 
And all of our research studies are based on people completing the daily challenge and just using focus calm for 15 minutes. Yeah. How I get, I got started. I've been using it for 30 days and then would just do morning and evening guided meditation and then mm -hmm. connecting with max recommending the, the daily challenge. Then now got exposure to the games and all the other stuff, but, uh, and exploring the different guided meditations, which I thought were cool. Cause it's just, what I was utilizing was only morning and then bedtime calming. But then there's, um, you know, refocusing challenges, goals. So it's all expanding and then targeted athlete meditations. So it's, it's a whole variety of different voices to then attract a different personality. Yeah, I started going through the meditations and there was an assessment piece. And it was hilarious. I was sitting at my desk. I put it on. I'm like trying to like get into it. And all of a sudden, um, the cleaning ladies show up. So they come in, and all of a sudden, like two seconds later, as I like, I hear the door slam. Whatever they start messing. Like a few minutes later, all of a sudden, I see the uh, vacuum cleaner kick on, and it's like whoom. And all of a sudden, I saw the meditation, which was like in the 80s. All of a sudden, went to like 99. Really? And I stayed like for the like I, <laughs> I, I just laugh. I was like, you know, put a bunch of people in the house, let them turn on the vacuum cleaner, and all of a sudden, my number went to like 99, and it wow. stayed there the whole time. And I just realized I do well probably in a more chaotic environment. Uh, I tend to, you know, as a former NFL player, I mean, the uh, ability to be able to relax in front of, you know, 100,000 people screaming your name at once and being able to focus. Like the minute I heard all that commotion, it just helped me kind of get into that state a lot quicker. Wow. Well, so first of all, 99 is a badass score. Uh, that's super hard. Typically, we see that in people who have lots of meditation experience or actually... Uh, some of the, the athletes like yourself that we work with, they're able to get into that state. Um, and something that you mentioned is really interesting, which is the kind of meta lessons that you learn about yourself or greater self-awareness. It, it made you think, ah, right, when I'm in these types of environments, I can really get into that space. So that's super cool. No, I, I have, um, it's, it's like a mental switch almost, like in stressful situations or competition or everything. Uh, I can take some breaths and kind of get to where I need to go. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, like, um, I don't know what they call it, but uh, like that level of uh, just calm where everything looks like it's happening in slow motion and you just get real, like, you know, focus on your breathing. And uh, I mean, it was like I played every game in slow motion. I used to see, you know, never heard the crowd and would just really relax and get to them. And not, it wasn't necessarily a Rex, it was almost like a rage, but um, just a real focused state where everything was just real calm, everything moved real, real slow, and I could just notice things. And it was almost felt like a superpower in a lot of ways. That's and, incredible. Uh, I wish I could just live there. Um, I, I was in a study years ago um, for, at the Brain Newport or the, the, what was it, the Newport Beach Brain Research Center. Um, there was a, a doctor and I got invited. We were working with a bunch of guys from uh, Naval Special Warfare that they were doing a DOD test to see if they could scan the brains and figure out like, hey, these guys are, you know, high level tier one uh, Naval Special Warfare SEALs. I wonder if we could test their brains so that way we could find some generalities or at least some commonalities that when we brought in new recruits, we could start trying to figure out who, you know, who's going to make it and who's not to try to cut down the process. So I was working with those guys. They invited me to come over. And that was an interesting thing when they started looking at brainwaves, especially when the guy brought that up. He's like, hey, is there a calm state that you can get into? And I said, yeah, 100%. And just the changes in brainwaves. And he's like, there's it can be taught, but a very small percent of the population actually does it well. And those individuals tend to be, you know, high level performers. Totally. You just captured like the whole essence of focus calm, 
how can we help people get into that state? Yeah. So he, pretty interesting. The one guy had a brother who played Major League Baseball, and then the, his younger brother was like the best he could get to was AAA. They tested both of those guys, and the guy that was in the majors could completely you know, relax his brain in such a way to focus. The other brother couldn't even attain it. So his deal was like, how do we teach this? And it seems like as I was going through this, I'm like, man, I wonder if this is the the piece that we've been looking for for 10 plus years to figure out how to let people reach that level of calm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. There's been so many developments in the physical domain. And now because we can measure it and we can make it entertaining, we can gamify it. uh, Our job is to open that door for more people so they can start to understand how important their mind is for performance. Did you, did you ever see that movie with Kevin Costner, uh, The Love of the Game? Did you ever no. see that? No. So in the movie, he stands up uh, like he's on the deal and everybody's screaming and he, I think he says like, he makes some weird comment, like clear the mechanism and instantly like everything slows down, everything gets quiet, like everything else gets blurry other than throwing at the mitt. And it's the only way I've ever been able to describe it. Wow. Like you get into a situation and all of a sudden you take some deep breaths and you kind of get into this uh, mental state and all of a sudden everything just gets real quiet and everything becomes very focused. And um, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a really comforting thing. And it was hilarious as I was sitting there kind of like, you know, looking at all this stuff and then the vacuum cleaner, all of a sudden I took a deep breath and it was like when, when maxed up and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like it just, yeah. Uh, because obviously as a retired professional athlete, there's really no more opportunities to test this stuff. I mean, what do we do? We go in the gym. Maybe I drive too fast in the car, all that. But it's uh, it's nice to be able to reach that because it's a nice level of calm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that from the studies that you're doing at that Newport Brain Science Center and also with Focus Calm is it's a cl- it's clearly a different state, not just felt, but you can we can measure it, too. And so people can see when they're in it, they can train to be in it and they can experiment I don't know if you're going to experiment with the vacuum anymore, but you can experiment to see when am I in that state? When am I not? And how can I get more of that? Well, I got three kids and a wife. And okay. when I'm working, uh, my wife will literally come over and tap me on the shoulder. And she's been like, I've been calling your name for like 10 minutes. And I'll be like, I didn't hear anything. And she just kind of laughs and shakes her head. But I think like that level of focus to be able to just tune out all the exterior noise and just focus on the task. Um, I think that piece uh, was more beneficial than anything I've ever met in terms of being able to, you know, play 10 years in the NFL was like, you know, cause there's always so much commotion around you. I mean, there's people and this and all the other stuff, but, the like the greatest people in the world, man, they can just lock in and do their job. And, um, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's probably why a certain amount of people only get to do it because like you said, there's really never been any way to really teach it. Like people talk about it and if you don't experience, how do you find it? And so the, the guys out of Newport, what they theorized was that a certain percentage of the population could do it just inherently something, you know, I mean, and I think that they were searching for a way to be able to teach more people to do it. But at that point, probably 10 years ago, there wasn't. It makes sense. I mean, some people are naturally gifted at different sports, either a skill sport or a strength sport or both to different degrees. Some people are more naturally inclined. There are going to be some people who are more naturally inclined to enter these special mind states as a strength and conditioning industry and I guess the techniques and protocols behind it have developed, I would believe it's true that more people can access those higher physical performance states because of all the things we're learning and the training, et cetera, and some of the tools that you can use. And so now 
you know, that's, that's our goal. Can we do that also for the mental side, which has been invisible for so long uh, and now making it visible and bringing it to a level that's enjoyable, understandable, and not too woo woo. That's another big part of our, our goal and our brand is we don't want this to be, um, you don't necessarily have to cross your legs and sit on a meditation cushion. You can do this eyes open, sitting at your desk. It's gamified. We do have a lot of uh, expert meditators who like to use this and, and train their minds in new ways, uh, but we want it to be more approachable and accessible for more people too. With the uh, F1 drivers, I mean, I would imagine that if they've gotten to the point where they're, you know, tip of the spear, high level uh, F1 drivers, I mean, you know, the most expensive sport in the world. I mean, these, you know, Mercedes, Ferrari, these teams are spending hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, I would imagine that the people that are getting to that point fit within that very small demographic of being able to, you know, 200 plus miles an hour, you know, being able to take turns and move. I mean, that ability to to slow it down and see things in slow motion and make these moves. I mean, those individuals are a really interesting population for that because you probably don't even get to the point where you're even in the, you know, in the training groups unless you have a, a like a higher mental capacity or a higher, higher mental order. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty interested to see like what the results of those guys are. The uh, organization that we work with over there, they've been training these athletes for so long that they can tell within the first few sessions who's going to be elite, who's going to be excellent because they have all that data. And um, they were doing some fMRI studies. So that's the, uh, for people who aren't familiar with the neuroscience space, fMRI is that big tube that you lay in to get your body scanned. They were doing fMRI studies. And what they found was these elite level athletes can perform cognitive tasks, maybe just as well as, as non-elite athletes, but they consume way less mental energy. And that was one of the aha moments is, uh, they're getting the job done with the least amount of effort possible so they can reserve their, their cognitive focus so they can perform better or perform longer. And that's, that's part of what we're, we're trying to train people to do too. So they're more, uh, I guess you could say much more efficient. It takes them uh, dramatically less effort to do so much more. So they have just a incredible reserve capacity. That's right. Uh, are, are there any, um, I mean, uh, like, especially for those individuals and I'm sure these are company secrets, but, uh, are they doing any form of supplementation? I mean, are they looking at like, I don't know, like I'm thinking everything from like, I mean, there's so many different, um, I remember Dr. Inkladon sent me a list of like ways to improve cognitive brain function with different supplements. I mean, everything from like creatine to this and this, I wonder if, uh, if there's anything like on that side of it or, you know, I mean, diet related, like there has to be so many interesting like plugins on this that that aren't just just beyond what the brain can do yeah um i don't know it would surprise me if they hadn't looked into it um because all these different things complement each other and doing all these trainings and like you were saying you know tip of the spear this whole team this whole organization is built around a couple of competitors right all this money is going into just a couple of competitors for a specific team so really anything they can do to to enhance their performance, they're, they're going to take seriously. So then also, um, like, I mean, you also brought up strength conditioning. I wonder how this pairs with, uh, with a good strength conditioning program. Like if somebody has greater physical capacity in terms of like, a, you know, a really robust aerobic system, lifts weights and trains, 
you know, I mean, science would tell us that they should have a healthier brain. I wonder if um, this device and the way it tracks could almost test brain health and see if people are doing the right things that they need to do. Yeah, the the goal right now is to provide a tool to help people get a, a focused and calm mind. But as we look into the future, there are so many applications for this type of technology as it relates to general wellness. And if we think about some conditions that maybe some athletes come out of their sport with, you know, we've thought about, can we help uh, different populations either recover certain cognitive functions or at least preserve them, you know, as they, as they age, but there's so many applications. And of course it makes sense. Your brain is at the center of so many things. Uh, and we're just scratching the surface for what's possible right now. Is, um, is there any research that has to do with the eyes? Like I know, I mean, obviously the eyes are the window to the brain. So, um, you know, all the information that comes in, I, mm -hmm. as I was doing it, I kept thinking like, I wonder if, um, like if you were to work on somebody that didn't have vision, if mm -hmm. their brain would work the same way because they're not taking in all this, uh, you know, environmental information coming yeah. in and then wondering if like there was another application for, I don't know, like I was thinking like seeing something going in this where you're having to track and, you know, as a, you know, like whenever I look at any tech, I always think like, like what could change this? Like you said, obviously a vacuum cleaner, noise, is there music? Is there something to look at? Uh, you know, I mean. So your, your vision uh, takes up a lot of your, your cognitive processing. Um, and when you close your eyes, there's actually a specific signal that you can typically see in someone's EEG raw signal. It's called an alpha peak. And it, uh, it's pretty cool. Like it's when you see that in a raw EEG, it's very clear how vision and your visual system is impacting your brain activity. We haven't done any testing with any visually impaired people, uh, but I will say there are certain cues for sports psychology or meditation, like uh, soften your focus. And when you soften your focus, there is a qualitative change in your mindset and how you feel. And that also has to do with your eyes. So the, you know, when you're talking about the eyes are, you know, they're purely connected right to your brain and also, you know, quote unquote, how you look at things. There's actually a real mechanism here that will change your brain and your mindset based on what your, your eyes are doing. If we look at an opposite example, you know, you can imagine someone is in a really high stress situation and their eyes are scanning the environment super, super fast. Clearly there's a ton of cognitive processing going on. Maybe they're stressed even. And when someone's really calm and focused, you know, their eyes aren't darting around. So the connection between your eyes and how you control your vision uh, definitely has, can have an impact on your mental state. Is, uh, would it be a benefit to do the meditations uh, with your eyes closed versus open? It's up to you. Um, the, the goal here again is for it to be applied in your life. And most of the applications that people are looking for are, uh, sounds kind of funny, but you know, eyes open experiences, sport, work, the rest of their daily living. So I use focus calm almost entirely eyes open. Uh, the algorithm will respond similarly with eyes open or eyes closed. If you're a, a beginner into this space, doing some of the things with your eyes closed can, can make sense. Maybe the meditations, but all the games, you need to have your eyes open so you can see if you're actually making the rocket ship fly or making the race car go faster, et cetera. Um, but typically you can get your brain to relax if you close your eyes. What about kids? I mean, uh, that's another issue. I mean, you think about 
as we get older, I mean, think about uh, everything from like diet to physical training, things start to crystallize as we age. I wonder if like the, uh, you know, neuromuscular or sorry, like the neurocognitive pathways, myelination, all these other key things that are going on in the brain, especially within children. Because I was looking as I was messing with it, my kids are like, hey, what is that? Can we do it? And I'm like, yeah, let me play with this thing a little bit. But I definitely think this is something I want to try to put on them just because their brains are so much more, I guess, pliable, malleable. Yeah, Yeah, you should. Uh, I mean, we've done uh, different studies with different age populations. We did a study with kids that had attention deficits and saw some really great improvements, not just in the attention related stuff, but in the emotional side too. So emotional regulation. Um, And one way to look at this is these are skill building practices. All right. If you start a sport young, you're going to have an advantage uh, over your competition as you get older, because you're building those pathways. If you practice any skill young, you're going to have an advantage. So if the skill we want to give our kids uh, is focus and calm and self-regulation and getting in that zone, um, stands to reason there's a lot of benefit for having people start uh, or at least introduce these things as you would introduce other skills that you want kids to learn. Okay. Y'all are measuring three things or showing us what you're measuring three things. So we had depth, consistency and speed Mm. can you go into each one what you're really looking for and how that single word sums it up yeah for sure so your focus calm score goes from zero to 100 uh 100 uh or in john's case 99 that super focused you're in the zone and zero means your mind's super busy um if you're there for too long it's probably a sign of stress but our minds fluctuate between these different states based on what we're doing. What we're trying to train people in focus calm to do is raise your focus calm score, uh, both in relaxed settings and in stressful settings. At the end of any exercise, that's a meditation, a game, an executive function training that we do. We give you your focus calm score over time and also text like you're saying, a breakdown of your speed, depth and consistency. So depth is how deeply were you able to relax during that meditation or game? And you want that to go up, right? You want to get, be able to get into those deeper and deeper states. Speed is how quickly were you able to turn it on. So we'll start counting the number of seconds it takes you to get into a high focus calm state. And again, you want to be able to turn that, that switch on as quickly as you want on command, given the situation that you're in. So we're measuring speed and then consistency. And this is the one that's typically the hardest is over the duration of an exercise, what percentage of time were you in that high focus calm state? So ideally you wanna be able to stay in that state for as long as you need to, or in the case of the score that you get at the end of the exercise, for as much of that game or that meditation as possible. So that's depth, speed, and consistency. The cat cat and I tried it out. Uh, she was always in the, the red and struggled even to get into that medium and I was you know, I don't know, mostly blue for the, the blue is the higher scores. So like the harder she tried to focus, the worse it was getting to her score was getting. So I, yeah. I, I thought that was That's pretty hilarious. That's one of the lessons, right? If you try too hard to relax, I'm going to be the best at relaxing. I'm going to try super <laughs> hard. What the hell is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Right. And then the score is like, ah, okay, right. Of course I can't force myself into relaxation. Or one of the other cool lessons is if you're playing one of the games like the rocket ship game and the rocket ship starts going down and you go, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. 
you're going to get more stressed out. The rock ship's going to go down even further. So the, the skill that helps build is, can you close the loop quickly? Can you quickly recognize your mistake and go, oh, okay, no big deal. And try to stay in that calm state and correct yourself more quickly. So there's all these little self-awareness things that you gain uh, from using the app that are even outside of the score that you're getting. I mean, so would it universally stay true that what we're searching for is the highest level of performance for the minimal input or output, I guess you could say, like if we have like, a, let's say it's a tank of 100 and uh, it takes, you know, somebody, you know, 50 gallons to be able to do a task opposed from somebody else that can do the same task in 10 gallons. That's like right. That's what we're really searching for. We're looking for efficiency and not only like mental output, but how focused you are to be able to accomplish a task. Uh, yes. And the output that's pretty fascinating yeah. i mean so the, just, the platform will build all those skills but john what you're saying that's the the holy grail how efficient can you be because if you confront a task that's outside of your window of tolerance that's when you become overwhelmed and stressed but if you can expand your capacity for handling difficult situations with a calmer mind you're not going to be as bothered things are not going to throw you off your center yeah the um it seems like, uh, you know, and, and actually I've been reading a ton on this, uh, you know, we're moving into an interesting kind of piece where, you know, Alzheimer's and some of these mental cognitive decline issues are becoming more and more apparent for us, um, you know, and uh, they don't know if it's environmental. They don't know if it has to do with just so much information coming in from all these different screens and all these different technologies. And so uh, as, you know, these problems become more apparent, it looks like we're gonna need more and more solutions to try to teach people probably some more basic skills. Like, I mean, for me, I learned pretty early on that if I couldn't sleep, all I had to do was just take like six deep breaths in about a minute. So if I could just slow down my breathing through, you know, in through the nose, out through the mouth and take like really long breaths, I can fall asleep within a minute. And wow. um, um, like, I've never had a problem sleeping. Never. I mean, to the point where like, <laughs> if anybody's ever been around me, like I could probably fall asleep here if I just breathe, took a few deep breaths. Um, to the point where people are like, dude, are you really sleeping? And, um, but uh, like that level to be able to just reach that, uh, that calm, like it almost, uh, to me, felt like a superpower because uh, to be able to like clear everything out and be able to get it because, you know, there's people that lay in bed and this has happened to me too, of course, but like you have something going on and you can't fall asleep and you can't fall asleep and the more you can't fall asleep, the more stressed you get. Yes. And then you can't sleep even more and next thing you know, you're like, ah, you know, now what do I do? So I'm thinking for something like this, if this is um, you know something where somebody couldn't sleep or was struggling to sleep or didn't have the skills that they needed, because that's something that uh, as a parent, uh, like parents talk about, like um, and more importantly, all these books talk about, like have you taught your good your kids good sleep health? Are they good sleepers? And there's a ton of research that says you know kids that are good sleepers end up being you know much more productive in their day and become you know happier adults. So that's mm -hmm. kind of part of that thing. Like, is he a good sleeper? And uh, I don't know if you have kids, but that that's something that you got to wrap your head around. So wondering about that is like, you know, is it because, you know, for a million different reasons, I mean, you know, cool room, you know, a chili pad in the bed if your bed's too hot. And like, I'm just wondering, like, uh, if this is something that like maybe a market for parents, like the ability to help these kids relax in such a way that they become good sleepers. Yeah, there's so much that goes into your mindset and the downstream effects from your mindset. So what couldn't you improve by getting better at controlling your mind? There's not very many things. And certainly sleep's one of the things that we're targeting. There's a program in Focus Calm that's specifically about sleep. 
uh, to, to teach people those skills. And that's really what it's about is giving people this toolbox of mindset and techniques and mastery so they can apply it in all the situations that they're going to find themselves in. So when you guys started this project, uh, like what's the most uh, interesting thing that was like second level where, hey, we went in with this idea and this information is teaching us this what kind of allowed you to pivot? Hmm. One of the interesting insights was when we were doing this study with the kids and ADHD, or at, uh, they had just attention deficits, not all of them were necessarily uh, diagnosed. And the assumption going in was, oh, these kids have trouble focusing. Let's teach them how to focus. No. Actually, what we found was teaching them the skills of both relaxation and focus and pairing these in the training protocol got us really great results. And then we started thinking, well, why is that true? And I actually just did a, a post about this last week, or it's coming up. It's, it's going to be on social media soon, just like a little two-minute video. But the insight is when you're stressed or when you can't focus, do you need to push on your focus button or do you need to push on your relaxation button? And sometimes it's the opposite of what you think you ought to do. So if I can't focus and I'm trying to brute force this thing, that might not work. And the reason is maybe if I take a second, I realize actually I'm a little stressed right now. And if I focus on, focus on, if I focus on relaxation, that's going to calm me down and unlock my focus. Or if I'm really, if I'm really stressed and I keep on pushing on the relaxation button and it's not doing what I need it to do, you know, the button in my brain that I'm trying to get myself to relax, maybe what I need to do is actually pull my focus in because I'm too scattered. And when I relax, I'm just letting my mind go even faster and in a hundred different directions. So actually I need to pull my focus in. And that was the insight that we had from the study with these kids with attention problems is the combination of focus and relaxation, that training, which is what we put in the app, gets better results. And um, you know, I encourage people to, to try that in their life. If they're ever feeling stressed, do I need to relax more if I'm stressed or do I actually need to focus more and pull it together? If I'm having trouble focusing, do I need to focus more or do I need to take a few deep breaths and, and calm down a little bit before I you know, go to work? Do you think uh, like um, attention deficit ADD, I've always had a theory that it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it gets painted in this ugly light like, oh, these kids get ADHD and they have all these behavioral issues. Um, I think actually it's beneficial, especially watching my kids, uh, their ability to focus on tasks at a certain point, like playing, for example, like they'll play with something and then they go to the next thing. And I almost think it's, um, it's part of a learning process. Like, mm -hmm. uh, um, I, I wonder if there's something, um, you know, within the evolutionary code that allows those individuals to do many, many tasks. Yeah, there's certainly a natural spectrum of people's attention abilities, and we all fall on on some some part of that. The really extreme ones, um, you know, I think there are definitely situations where medication can help. Uh, I think that depending on the environment as well. If you put a kid in one environment, they're going to thrive. If you put them in an environment where they need to sit at their desk and not move for hours at a time, you know, maybe that's not going to work out so well uh, for kids in general. So yeah, I, think I was going to say, is there a kid that really benefits from yeah. sitting at a desk for eight hours? And I mean, like uh, our kids were in public school and uh, like all the teachers wanted them to do was sit at their desks and say nothing. 
for hours. And you're like, what seven, eight-year-old can do this? What five-year-old can do this? I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a broken model. Yeah. And do we want to even encourage that behavior, even if they could do it? Do we want people to, to learn that that's the mode that they should be in? You know, I don't think so. No, I don't either. We were connected through our good friend, Dana Santis. And through the app, she's got a breathing, very visual piece. So it measures uh, focus score. And then she takes you through breathing practice, which is pretty cool. So it, it's like a 10 minute lesson, uh, at least the one I took. And I don't know. So how did, how did y'all get linked up with Dana? And I, I feel like the breath is like the natural key because there's focus and then there's really learning how to breathe, as she would say, it's the most fundamental movement pattern. Yeah, we, um, we got the missing piece of the puzzle with Dana. So we had the meditation components, we had the, the neuro games. And of course, breath is so core to all of this. And the, the neat thing we were able to do with Dana's content is create an animation that really shows an anatomically correct pattern of breathing. Um, and I learned this from her which was actually focusing on the rib cage and the natural expansion and contraction of the rib cage is a better cue than breathe with your belly. It actually can sometimes force an unnatural physical pattern. So the idea of, like you're saying, Tex, teaching people the right way to breathe. And then when you're wearing the headband, you can see how it's changing your brain activity. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really magical moment. Like one of the takeaways from all this is you are in control. You can get it done. And with practice, you're going to get better, just like any other skill. And to see that change over time with with her content has been uh, has been awesome. Uh, breathing is pretty fascinating. It's one of our only like uh, what is it autonomic um, uh, systems where like you know we breathe naturally without paying attention to it, but yet we can also focus and control it. Like we can't do that with our heart rate. Like it's I can I know my heart's beating. I mean I can do exercise, which you know ramps it up, but it's not as if I can sit here and like focus on my heart and get it to beat faster. You know, you can't think yeah. about blood flow. I mean, it's really the, uh, you know, so therefore it's, it's amazing that, you know, we have this system that we can control, but yet when we, when we're not trying to just goes on autopilot. So it's really yeah. always kind of fascinating me in that way. Yeah. She, uh, Dana also calls breathing a superpower and I totally agree. So John, when you're talking about like that focus is a superpower it really is. And so is breathing. And when you can combine them and, and use them and get better at them, uh, it opens up the possibility for what could be true for you. And I think that, you know, coming from the, the world of sport, it's really clear the impact that that's going to have. Um, but I would encourage people to also think about the rest of their life. Like where else can you use this calm and this focus? Certainly in work, uh, but also in relationships. Like, can you, navigate situations with more ease and calm and grace if you can get into these different states it's um it's hard to sometimes talk about because i don't want to overstate hey this is like the magic pill that's gonna change your whole life but it really does have a ton of downstream effects um and it's, it's really cool to see people discover new ones or do different experiments and we have users who will like tell us that they were there's a function in the app called the tracker where you just record your score. There's no meditation or anything. Uh -huh. You kind of do experiments. And we have people reporting all these kind of crazy experiments they're doing and what they're learning about themselves. Uh, and it's so cool to see the impact of, of these trainings and this technology on people's lives. 
Yeah, uh, that's give us some examples. Well, on like, that note, the I use that for presentation prep. I got a presentation coming up, and ooh, then are you nervous? It, no, I'm focused <laughs> and I'm calm, John. But I will be bringing this little guy on the trip with me to uh, to continue the practice. But through one of the brainstorming sessions and just playing around with ideas, was able to to keep it tracked, and that was that was awesome. Like it almost encouraged me to then stay more focused and not go to the email because you know computers right there and just focus on the board so uh results were the pretty relatively consistent um, but then fell to draw towards the project and what i needed to get done yeah yeah it can be a reminder the headband can be a reminder and the score if you have the score up it can be a little check-in you know where am i and the the lower scores the active states aren't bad Mm -hmm. Uh, if that's where you want to go in that moment, it's just about recognizing where you are and are you in the place you want to be? Um, but yeah, people do all different types of experiments. Uh, that's pretty cool in text. What, uh, what's some of the weird ones? Like, um, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm always curious to know, like, uh, you know, I mean, obviously we can, you know, sit and you can do all the guided stuff. I'm just really pretty fascinated by how people are changing their environments or how they're necessarily using it to try to see if, um, cause I mean, the way I would view it is, uh, like what curveballs can I throw myself? Like, I mean, we, we do that in the training, you know, everybody can train when they feel great and they're hundred percent and no injuries and everything looks perfect. But like, what are the ways that you create a little bit of hardship and dig yourself a hole and create a little chaos theory? Yeah. So I'll give you one of the positive examples. That's kind of weird. And I didn't expect, um, someone was petting their cat while having the headband on. And this person was having trouble getting a high score. And then they start petting their cat and their score goes through the roof because for them, it was very calming to have that connection and, and that relationship, I guess. Something that we, we tried after that and some other people had validated for us was uh, getting a hug or even just a soft touch from a loved one totally down regulates the body and gets you into that calm state, at least for, for some people. So those are some of the things that people shared with me. I would venture a guess that people have done way wackier stuff, uh, but maybe they're not going to email me and, and tell me about it. But you can imagine what people might do to see how their brain's reacting to, to different states, either so, exercises or... Yeah, they're uh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Who, who knows? I mean, yeah. you know, uh, bags of separate heads. Um, I, go, uh, I, I, I go see this um, uh, chiropractor once a week who works on my shoulder. And he has a machine called an OrthoGold 100, mm. and it uses sound waves to break up uh, scar tissue and uh, like calcification and you know anything. So they use it on my shoulder and uses it on my knee. But it uh, it sounds like if you took a hammer and you were to hit it on steel over and over again like 800 times, so it's like pom pom pom, and it dry and it's like kind of like the, there's a head on it, and it's pretty interesting because uh, I wear uh, like a um, a Garmin Phoenix six watch that shows my heart rate. And the minute that they start, like my resting heart rate's like 68, let's say a 70, uh, I'll drop into the forties when they start hit, uh, hammer me with this thing. And like, I'll watch it. And like within, you know, like when we get to the first hundred, I'll be in the fifties. And by the end of it, I'm like 42 and it just wow. absolutely blows my mind. And the, the guy who's, uh, the tech that does, it, it's like, what's your heart rate? And every time, He's like, I've never in my life, I'm like, well, have you ever had anybody ever test their heart rate while they're doing this? He goes like, no. 
I'm like, well, then, you know, I'm not an outlier. I'm just the only person that's ever tested it. It's like, you know, find other people and see if it works. But uh, I'm kind of interested to take this in now and be like, I'm going to test my heart rate and I'm going to test my brain waves and uh, see if I'm totally sadistic. That's some form of like loud <laughs> noise and pain because it's, it's pretty painful. Um, but I also have this deal with pain where even if it hurts, I never show emotion on my face. So I try to fool people. Like, is it hurt? You're like, no, it doesn't hurt. And uh, that's another way I calm myself is to try to like hide the pain of uh, these. So, I mean, it's pretty painful to have it done. But um, the guy's always like, I can always tell when I'm in the right spot because people flinch or move. He's like, I can't tell anything on you. I'm like, perfect, serial killer. But I'm pretty fascinated now to bring this in. I'm like, I have another thing to test and see if I can actually calm myself and, and do this under that type of deal. So yeah, that would be the next excited. one. I'm excited to see what people learn. And it just it, it contributes to the community that I guess we're all participating in, which is discovering new things about us, improving our skills, you know, improving our strengths. That's pretty cool. How many users do you think you have? Uh, so we're in the thousands. Um, we have some interesting partnerships going on in different places around the world with different companies, different professional sports teams. Uh, we have some users who are in Tokyo right now doing their best at the Olympics. Uh, but we launched this in January. So we're about seven months in. Wow. So we're still on that that up curve. No, it's still relatively new. No, I, I think the more users you end up getting, the more amazing the information will be. I mean, we've seen it within our training programs. You know, we have thousands of people a day checking training programs. We write the narratives. And then when I go back and look at the results, I'm always amazed at how people interpret what I think is crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, hey, do it this way. I actually had a consult talk to a guy this morning who's following one of the programs, and he's like, hey, this is the way I'm doing it. I'm like, man, nowhere in the directions does it say to do it that way, but these are the results he's getting. And uh, he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, uh, don't let me get in the way of your progress. You know, I mean, I wow. think that's what's pretty interesting, especially with this, is you're kind of creating in such a way you're pushing it out, and then you're just kind of waiting for the information to come back and see if. Uh, you know, how people interpret it, how they're using it, and more importantly, like the stories. I mean, we've seen that for years. How people have used the training, how they've, you know, hey, I, I did it this way, I did it this way, and we're like, man, I would have never thought that. But that's what's so cool about pushing stuff out into the world and seeing what comes back. Yeah, no, absolutely. Things that sometimes they're wacky and you ignore them, and sometimes they're a super <laughs> great idea that you never would have thought of or the team would have thought of, and now we get to implement something like that to you know, open a brand new door of how to use it. Max, where are y'all based? Uh, we're in Boston. Oh, so right. yeah, the company, uh, the core company, started in the Harvard Innovation Lab, um, and now we're, I guess, a stone's throw away from the university. Nice. I uh, I just um, was up in Pennsylvania and get to hang out with a real pretty sharp doctor who's a PhD from Brandeis. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, in the area. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing all the universities that's within that Boston area. You're like, oh, yeah. Jesus. What, uh, how are y'all recruiting new, new folks? I mean, how big is your squad right now? So the office in Boston has about 40 people. Wow. Uh, and we're, we're looking to grow that. We do a few different, um, you know, a few different projects within Focuscom, some really directed towards athletes some directed towards general public, things like this. So we build these different teams to, to attack these different targets. Uh, but right now in total, there's about 40 in the company. Nice. Pretty awesome. All Harvard guys? 
No, um, <laughs> it might not surprise you, but uh, Harvard. It it takes a it takes a, a a team with a lot of different skills to pull this type of thing off, right? You need the engineers, of course. You need the scientists, of course. But then you need some badass salespeople, badass marketing people of all different types of backgrounds to to pull something like this off. Um, so there's you know. Uh, we get some of that grace from the the branding from you know Harvard and stuff like that. But if I was going to be honest, it really just comes down to um, you know who can get the job done. That's what we really look at: who can get the job done, and do they fit our team? Do they do they you know fit the culture and the movement that we're trying to build? You know, we see all these connected fitness products. Uh, I'll throw a Fitbit in there, but um, you know the newer ones. I guess Peloton's maybe not that new, but you see Peloton, you see Tonal, uh, Mirror. Um, there's some rowing ones too, like Hydro. These connected fitness platforms are just blowing up, and you know we are the ones that are stepping into the space and, and kind of putting our stake in the ground, and saying we are going to be that for mental training. And um, there's some some tailwinds behind us, which is great. You know, meditation is becoming more popular. Um, this is more than meditation. We don't want you to only get good at relaxing your mind. We want you to take this out into the world with you, these skills, take them out into the world with you. But, you know, it's, it's certainly an exciting time. And I think over the next year, um, it wouldn't surprise me, especially what we see like going on with the Olympics, you know, people are taking, uh, mental health more seriously and rightfully so. Uh, and we want to, to provide a tool, a platform and a community for people to develop these skills for themselves too. Where did all this start? I mean, like what was the initial idea? Uh, you know, what did the you know first iteration of the tech look like? You know, as you're you know coming up with this and blueprinting it, like what was the um, like what was the spark that got it pushed in this direction? COVID. COVID. The Rona. <laughs> the Rona, the Rona um, really made us take a step back and say. We had this core tech that we were using for a lot of research projects um, and understanding how the brain worked and understanding how we can improve all different types of outcomes. And then Corona hit and we took a step back and we said, we really need to focus this. We really need to think about what is the best application and, and put our team focused on that goal. And we started with this idea of uh, stress. And we knew that the pandemic was stressing people the hell out. And we really wanted to help them. And then we combined that with what we were seeing from the Formula One guys. And that's when we figured actually, this could be bigger than just stress. This could be a, a brain training platform for all different types of outcomes. Uh, so yeah, it was right around March, 2020 that we had this initial idea, built the first prototype in 2020, and then um, launched officially in January of this year. So how does it track brainwaves? I mean, like, is it, uh, I mean, obviously it kind of fits over the specific spot. And then when you go through the setup, it actually shows you like, not this position, not this position, <laughs> why this position is it tracking over the temple. Are there some form of uh, like touch points that are more reactive for tracking this within the brain? Yeah, you know, if, um, if anyone can either see or when you guys get your headband, you can see the three uh, gold plated sensors on the inside of the headband. So those are just resting on your forehead. And right now, actually, uh, there's electrical signals on your scalp and on your forehead. So your brain has, you know, 87 billion neurons, give or take. 
And one way they communicate is through these subtle electrical signals. They're sending signals to each other constantly. Those signals make their way out to your scalp. And so we're just picking those signals up on your forehead. And the algorithm is then taking a look at all of your, your raw EEG signal and is considering over a thousand different features in the signal every second. And we're matching what we see in the signal to this model that we built that represents a truly relaxed and focused brain or a really active or maybe stressed brain. And depending on how well you match either of these models, we're giving you that score. So the, the sensors are picking up electrical data and based on how fast your neurons are firing or how strongly the signal looks different based on different tasks you're doing that sometimes and pretty often mirror your subjective experience. So if you feel super relaxed, you can even imagine, okay, maybe my mind or my brain is going a little bit slower, we might say. Or if you're super keyed up and really kind of, you know, dialed in and things are moving really fast, you can imagine your mind or your brain is moving a bit faster. And that's what we're measuring. Gotcha. And then how does it, um, I mean, I assume there's some form of AI algorithm that's interpreting all this and the information's being crunched in a certain way to give some form of meaningful feedback. That's right. Yeah. So the, the data, thousands of data points every second. Um, and then we give, you know, one of our uh, kind of core principles is to make this as user-friendly as possible. So if you know nothing about brain science, you can get focus calm and it will take you through the, the principles that are useful and give you data that's actionable uh, in a really easy to use, easy to use and easy to understand way. So yeah, even though there's a ton of calculations, uh, in the background, the actual interface, as you guys saw, is, is pretty simple. You know, your focus comm score goes from zero to 100. There's different games, different you know ways to track your improvement. But overall, it's it's more about the outcome that we're going for. Uh, we're not trying to blow people away with all the the science and um, you know that that's going on in the background. Did it start with meditation? Did it start with games? Like, how did you start to build this this product? Yeah. So it originally started with games. Uh, actually, the, the original iteration of the core technology that we had built a few years ago was designed to um, show how people could use their brain to interact with the world around them. So we have a slot car, slot car race track in our office, like real physical cars that used to like, squeeze the trigger to make them go mm -hmm. that run on brain activity. So you can put the headband on and the more folk, you know, the higher focus comm score goes, the faster the cars will go. That was kind of the initial idea here was, can we use brainwaves to interact with the world around us? You can, uh, but it takes practice and skill to be able to do it reliably. You know, flipping a light switch is maybe not be as fun as turning a light on with your brain, but it's certainly quicker. So it was a really cool exploration of the space, uh, but we couldn't um, scale that into a, a viable business. Uh, it was really, really cool tech, but again, uh, not wants to I'd buy it right now. If, you want to uh, do it? Uh, dude, I would be so in on that. We, we uh, had... Uh, uh, slot car racing where you get to race with speed with your mind. I would compete against my kids all day. Well, we had a guy, Ted, Ted Slingerlin, on the podcast communicating on trying not to try. He had that book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I do recall they, he referenced this as well. The harder you were focusing on getting those cars to move, the more you got back. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a few years ago. Yeah. That's a long one. Pre-studio product then. No, I mean, it'd, it'd be, uh, it'd be just another thing I could kick my kid's ass at. Be like, look at this. <laughs> and then talk shit to him. Be like, look at me. I'm beating you. 
uh, we, we went to uh, uh, High Five, which is this like um, bowling kind of like axe throwing like video game thing. And uh, it's my favorite. I'm like, I battle my kids and everything. I'm like, let's play the shoot em games. Let's do this to the point where actually I can only suck my son in now. My daughters are like, we're tired of you beating us. I'm like, I'll beat you guys. Air hockey. Air hockey is pretty fun. Uh, ski ball. I want like a mental air hockey. Like Pong, but you just use your brain. Ah, uh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe our, our next pivot is into arcades. Ah, uh, dude, it would make sense. I mean, the um, uh, I really like the stand-up desks where you ride the bike or you walk, and it basically generates energy, which allows your computer or whatever you're using to stay on. I thought that was great. Well, yeah, we got our intern plugged in uh, to a giant <laughs> hamster wheel outside, and that's what's keeping this podcast uh, it, going. It's raining too much. Wow. There's no way he's out there. <laughs> Poor Grant. So we just got to get a new intern every three months. We just got to replace the batteries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, uh, yeah. The Matrix. Just yeah, plug- batteries. Yeah. We're the, yeah. Oh. oh, man. So what? Uh, like, what's the – I mean uh, – Obviously, this is, um, I mean, you've been seven months, so you're probably still, uh, you know, within the dev cycle of this. Like, what's the, uh, like, what's the future holder? Are you guys like, hey, this is the product. We've refined it. This is what you're doing. Now we're just going to keep working on the, mm-hmm. uh, on the software piece to try to challenge people. Or is there uh, another iteration of the tech or really where, like, what's this thing going to look like in two or three years? Yeah. You know, if you guys get this now, uh, it does its job really well of teaching you how to get into this common focus state. I will say though, there are some really cool things on the horizon over the next year that are gonna make this even more effective. So you can imagine a platform that the more you use it, the better it understands what helps you get into that state and can make recommendations for not only training or meditations, but even things like music, what type of music gets you into that brain state that you wanna get into. And then you could imagine not only can this platform teach you how to improve your focus and your calm, but it can start helping you do things like improve your memory or your decision making or things like your processing speed, other executive functions that you use. So when we look into the future, we see this massive platform that's training your mind in all the ways that are important to us and all of the ways that are important to other people to solve first to build these skills. But the the end goal is to solve real problems. So do you have trouble with sleep? Is there something going on at work that you want to tweak? Is there something going on in competition that you're trying to improve at that the the mental game can really help you? And then just build more and more engaging experiences, you know, really connect with people, create more of a community where people can maybe, you know, do multiplayer stuff. We have some competitive uh, users on Focuscom. So we're thinking about ways that we can make the whole experience more interactive. And then longer term, yeah, we'll be thinking about different form factor. You know, what can people wear in different situations? And then if we go really far in the future, um, you know, this this space is called brain machine interface. So how the mind interacts with the world around you. And so taking something from this like this and turning it into something even more sleek, more low profile. And that way you can be interacting with the world, doing this training, getting important data throughout your day. Um, so there's there are these levels to this that that we can see uh but you know most of our attention is in the present moment and how we can deliver on the promise of helping people improve their focus and their calm have um i mean i know this is going to sound kind of weird but 
um, I wonder if the NFL is not going to approach you guys. I'd be really fascinated to see NFL players, more importantly, because uh, let's say they got in the offseason and they had a pretty cog- good cognitive score, and then post-game guys go to use it after banging your head into an individual 70, 100 times, you know, thousands of times in a time, if all of a sudden now they're going to see some cognitive decline. And uh, if now all of a sudden this is a way that they can measure, hey, this is how much decline you got, and this is how fast it took you to rebound back, like, you know, two days you know, mm-hmm. after playing in an NFL game on Sunday, are you really ready to go practice by Wednesday? I can't get my cognitive back. Mm-hmm. I mean, certain people it might not affect. Other people might have huge deficits. So I wonder yeah. if that's like a, you know, very real score that those individuals could see, which, you know, the NFL, uh, you know, has claimed for years that there was no, you know, correlation between impacting your head and what we were seeing with CT and some of the other issues. And uh, all of a sudden now, you know, you start having all these guys commit suicide. Now they had to, actually step up and be like, well, there might be some correlation between this. I just wonder if uh, present players that are using it could start seeing, you know, hey, this is what happened. Uh, This is what I was before. This is how long it took me to get in on the backside. And more importantly, this is how long it took for me to get back to where I was within the baseline. Yeah. I'll say this. I I encourage people and um, I more than hope that different organizations, NFL included, but really everyone takes into consideration long-term thinking and where do we really want to be and is taking what might feel like a shortcut to avoid some confrontation or having to deal with the situation like you're describing. Actually, in the long run, if we do the right thing, we're going to get a better outcome. Um, that seems to always be true or most of the time be true. So I hope that you know we can we can help more and more people and um you know this is this is the starting point you know people can can already do so much with this tech but certainly as it continues to develop it's only going to unlock more applications like you're describing yeah i mean it's uh it's kind of in this like an interesting space of like um and, and i'm not saying it's entertainment but it's it's this idea of like hey i can improve upon this stuff um but yet i think it's got some really interesting kind of health and performance benefits outside of this um, I'm, I, you know, I, I like me personally thinking back is, uh, you know, since retired, but as a current player, if I had something like this where I was able to measure and I had a baseline, uh, immediately after the game, I throw it back on and see what my baseline was just me and being able to chart it. And if I wasn't able to reach those numbers and you're like, well, you know, why is this, you know, what does it look like? Is it stress? All right. Now look at all these different days and, uh, just start, you know, plotting numbers and seeing if like you can get back to how you are, you know, looking at like hydration, looking at sleep, um, seeing you know hey if uh if i took a painkiller what it did to it i mean i would i would probably you know anything i could use i mean i I used it for blood work um Mm -hmm. like i would get my blood work done before and after every season so right before i went training camp and then after and uh i have 20 years of blood work to see you know how things change you know what necessary things look like but there was really never any way to test the cognitive stuff outside of going and you know, getting EKGs or getting in brain scans, and which I ended up doing for that uh, Newport Research Center. I went to Dr. Amen's study for the uh, NFL yeah. brain health. And uh, he actually told me that I had pretty severe brain damage on the left side of my brain. Mm. And it, uh, and like that was a big thing. And then a year later when I went to Dr. Jin's place at the Newport Brain Research Center, they did the, the same scan and there was no damage. Mm. So I don't know if uh, Amen was cooking the stuff for the mm. NFL or mm-hmm. somehow I miraculously cured my brain damage in about 18 months. Yeah. 
So hard to say. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, he. Um, I mean, it, it also. And I know people believe that you can't necessarily fix, you know, a lot of that stuff. But I believe if you remove the stressor, and yeah. you know, uh, you know, and the body has the necessary components to heal itself, I think the body does a pretty good job of, of, uh, of fixing. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you've obviously seen uh, when they do some of like the um, the surgeries within the brain, all of a sudden they'll remove a certain part, and the brain will rewire to fix that part and just kind of yeah. circumvent it. Yeah, super malleable. People misunderstand the malleability of their own minds and their own bodies and how resilient we are and there's this fallacy that after a certain point in time you're done your brain's done and nothing ever changes ever again uh, which is just not true so you know giving people those those tools to make the changes that they want um or like you were doing you know after the that first scan removing those stresses can make a pretty significant and sometimes immediate impact on your brain and your health for, for me it was a ketogenic diet um, mm. I, I pulled all this uh, actually another uh harvard professor matt lalonde um sent me all this research and his deal was like why don't you try a ketogenic diet for a year i mean we've seen it you know fix uh um you know seizures and some other stuff and there's some really interesting parts about brain health so i did uh, a ketogenic diet for a year and a little over and then went back you know a few months later and seemed to have fixed everything i don't know if that's universal for people I'm, you know the only one I ever tested it on, but that was, uh, you know, and then I always go back. I'm like, I wonder if Amen was cooking that stuff and it was bullshit. Uh, or if this guy, you know, because I, I was there in his scan. Like I sat, I saw the scan, went into his office and he's like, this is what we're looking at. There's no time to swap it out. So, right. Um, so what's your background? Like, how, like, how did you get into this? So my story is I got into, uh, martial arts at a young age, around six years old. And a big part of martial arts is the mental training side. So how well you can focus is going to determine your performance. And at the beginning of every uh, martial arts class, we would do a short meditation, close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, let go of the outside world and just focus on what you're about to do. What style? Uh, so I did Kempo Karate and then I also got into Southern Praying Mantis Kung Fu mm -hmm. uh, and then dabbled in a few other things. I did and uh, I, Shotokan from the time I was, I, when I was six, I started in Shotokan. Oh yeah, we had some Shotokan guys join our dojo. Yeah. Badass. I remember uh, we were doing uh, training leg kicks and I was working with the Shotokan guy and he was uh, decades older, older than me. And I remember we were doing a technique and I don't know, maybe I was just a, a hot-headed kid, but I decided to throw a leg kick basically as hard as I could. And I was like, oh, this is going to get him. And he didn't even move, like didn't move at all. Like his face didn't change, his body didn't change. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> was, the, uh, was the Kempo uh, like Ed Parker, American Kempo kind of a deal? Uh, yeah, that lineage was there. And then it had some other uh, things going through it. And my, you know, my looking back on it, I realized that uh, – what I really appreciated about it was the art and the physical control over your own body that you need it. There's certainly a, a self-defense part to it, which is, uh, you know, can be useful, but really just the self mastery of it is what I really liked. And of course I was watching a bunch of Kung Fu movies where these Kung Fu masters are flying through the air and have these superpowers. I was like, okay, yeah, that's what I want. Um, so I, I got really into like, same. I dude, I was addicted to Kung Fu theater. 
I still watch yeah. kung fu movies. I still like you know legend. Yeah, I, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that stuff is super fun. The like old school Jackie Chan movies, yeah. uh, that are all dubbed over. Used to go to Blockbuster with my dad and and pick a couple of those out. That was the best. Yeah, um, yeah. I was really really into that, and then that led me into some other meditation traditions and and learned about you know what could be true if I mastered this thing in between my ears. What perception might be possible? What peace and what abilities and understanding uh, could be possible if I train my mind? So I got really into meditation and ended up studying cognitive science in undergrad, which was this nice mix of philosophy and psychology and artificial intelligence and linguistics, all these different things. Uh, so I was really interested in how the mind worked and ended up working for this company. We did some online webinars about mental health for doctors and nurses. So I got this kind of exposure to the education side of things and ended up going to work for one of these presenters who was running this lab. Her name's Dr. Sarah Lazar. She's at Massachusetts General Hospital. She's one of the top uh, fMRI neuroscience meditation researchers. So I helped her with some research for a few years. And at the same time, I was working in another lab. I would go to one lab in the morning and then the other lab in the afternoon and the other lab I was working at was doing deep brain stimulation surgery for people with Parkinson's disease. So I got this exposure to invasive neurotechnology. I did some other research there too. And then afterwards, I thought I wanted to go get my PhD in clinical psychology, uh, but I wanted to stay in the area. I was living with my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, wanted to stay in the area, applied to a few programs, didn't get into any PhD programs. And so I was like, oh shit, <laughs> well, I don't want to keep on doing research. I didn't get into any PhD programs. Let me apply for a master's, a master's degree program. So I applied to this program at Harvard. And, um, you know, I thought that if I got in, you know, I'd probably go. Um, but I didn't want to go just for like the degree and just like this name that felt kind of weird to me. But uh, I ended up getting in and, and went and it was an incredible, incredibly positive decision. The, uh, the people that I met there, the professors, they're all really, really great. And um, I learned a lot about uh, how people grow and learn. So then I started becoming interested in leadership development. I went to go work for a leadership development company called Authentic Leadership Institute. Now they're called Core Leadership. And they help executives change their mindset so they can perform better. So you can kind of see this trend of like meditation, mind training, how people grow and learn, neuroscience, et cetera. Uh, and once I graduated, I joined this, this startup and there was, you know, about 15 people in the company. Uh, and now, you know, globally, we do this work in a, all over the world and our, all of our connected teams now has about 200 people, um, you know, in this, in this neuroscience kind of teams that we have all over the world. So it's, it's been a wild ride for sure. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Any, any cool stuff that you've debunked that is just common you know, magazine shelf stuff that realize, hey, no, we figured this out. You're wrong. Yeah, the the big one is that you can't change your brain, that you're locked in after, you know, I don't know what the magazine say, 25 years old, and then your brain stops changing. There is There are certainly different periods in, in your life where uh, your brain is more plastic, and that's really useful, like for language acquisition. Uh, that's one of the windows that is true. If you miss language acquisition, uh, during a certain period of time in your life, um, it's really, really hard to, to make up for that. What's the window? Uh, I think it is, uh, before, 
I might mess this up, but I'm going to guess, I'm going to say before five years old, you really need to get that, uh, be exposed to enough language to, to get that, uh, that learning in. Um, I'll double check that. But besides language acquisition, you know, the earlier you start any skill, of course, it's going to be beneficial, but there's this, this kind of thought in our culture that, okay, if I'm like this, when I'm 25, then that's who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And there's no changing from a physical training point of view. You guys know, that's not true. I'm sure, you know, tons of people who change their bodies and their strength and their performance as they get older and maybe don't even start until they're older and they make massive improvement. The same thing as rock skills, the rock. Yeah. Yeah. The rock's 50, almost 50 or he's over 50 and that guy's in the best shape of his life. Yeah. How old is he? Dude, the rock's I just watched like, the jungle movie. He's got to be in his late. Oh, I saw that. I just watched that uh, yesterday. We yeah. watched uh, um, the kids were on me to for Black Widow, so we watched that yesterday. I also saw that. 49. Yeah, yeah, the rock's yeah. He's got forty nine fifty, and wow. the dude's in the like. If uh, I met the rock, geez, twenty years ago, or you know maybe lo- less, like fifteen, sixteen years ago when we were in Philly, and dude, he did not look anything. Well, you have hair today. No, I mean, he, he was super nice and super friendly and whatever, but like I just would have thought he was just a big athlete. Now he looks like a pro bodybuilder, so it's pretty amazing that he's, yeah, dude looks incredible. He also probably has a fucking amazing team that cooks all of his meals. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really the secret to being that jacked is just having somebody being like pop out like Mr. Deeds and like, here's your food, here's your food. <laughs> well, the Iron Fortress at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, man, I'm, I, there's no way. He's like, oh, I'm up at 3 a.m. training. I'm like, there's no way. I'm sound asleep. Yeah, that's... Ooh, we need to get him on Focuscom. <laughs> he's probably 99. Uh, dude, I've never seen anybody uh, like in more time zones than that dude. It's like he's training at, at home, and then like the next picture is like him in Japan. I'm like, oh, I guess you got to have a private plane. So if... Um, uh, I'm, uh, like, And I'm sure this is... Uh, you, know, you guys will learn this is a byproduct. I'm just really fascinated for like... Uh, people that have some form of cognitive issues, like you were talking about Parkinson's and some of the other issues, which we know are neurological. I wonder if like uh, this type of training can help starve that stuff off or just at least keep it at bay longer. Like there's some, I mean, cause that's the stuff that scares me the most. I mean, um, you know, I mean, universally everybody's going to die. I mean, I don't think anybody's planning on living forever, but I think what people are really searching for is how do I live my best life up into the day when it stops? Like, mm-hmm. Um, like the, you know, Hey, I was pretty healthy into my sixties and then in my seventies, I basically was sitting around drooling for 10 years. Like nobody wants that. Everybody wants to be kicking ass and doing like, you know, climbing mountains and doing that until the day that it ends. And then I think that's the deal, at least in my mind. Like, I think I want to maximize and be my best for as long as I can. And the day that I can't just end, uh, end it and we're, you know, and, uh, that's where it ends. So I wonder for like that type of cognitive ability to starve that stuff off or at least keep it at bay for longer. If like technology like this becomes that piece where, you know, cause I mean, if um, you know, cognitive stuff from uh, like you said, learning a language, I mean, if you go through and do a quick Google search, like how do I stay mentally younger, longer, they give you all these different tasks. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the one that always blew me away um, the way that they, uh, like test cognitive decline, especially for people that have some form of brain issues is handwriting models. So mm-hmm. they'll ask you to come in and do handwriting. And then over time they come back every three months or, Hey, I want you to write this. And then they can look at the decline in handwriting yep. as a form of mental decline. Wow. And, and so that's a big one. 
So for me, I practice my handwriting. My kids ask, they're like, what are you, like, like, what are you drawing? I'm like, I practice my handwriting constantly. Um, they said that's a really interesting way to, to try to stay sharp. I mean, you know, juggling, anything hands and eye coordination, you know, anything that looks like health and wellness, learning a language, uh, you know, um, any type of games. So I'm just wondering if something like this could be used in that market. You know, if I zoom out a little bit, I think having a really strong purpose in your life will keep you around longer, right? It's your, your reason, your why. And then supporting that with different training and tools uh, to help you get that done or get there is, is certainly a good decision too. Uh, but you see, you know, some of these really old people all over the world that don't retire. They just keep on working in some capacity and it keeps them going. So I don't know, I'd have to review the literature and I'm, I'm always careful, you know, what type of claims I'm, I want to make or anything like that. Uh, but certainly there are scientifically backed decisions you can make that will extend your life or enhance your well-being while you're alive. Because I think you're right, like, you know, at least I do, and I assume most people do, they want to maximize their time here. They want to have as much fun and as much joy and you know as much love and connection as possible or as as much as they want at least depending on what that looks like for them and so you know providing people with different tools and techniques to get more out of life and get more done accomplish what's important to them now, that's what we're about did you take a course uh, either neuro or the psychology side of things that talked about that goals and purpose yeah. that helped explore that yeah, so the Authentic Leadership Institute, that company that I was working for, um, their core offering, at least when I was there, I think it's still true, is to help people connect with their purpose by reviewing the patterns in their life. Like what has kind of always been true about you and what you've pursued, and then combining that with some of the really important lessons that you've learned in your life, either through hardship or otherwise, and trying to distill your strengths and your hardships and the things that you are really core to yourself into a, a phrase or a purpose, um, that will like, like a mantra. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so mine was, um, drawing on the unseen to create magic powers and, you know, look what I'm doing now. This was <laughs> way before I joined, you know, focus calm, All right, Drawing on the unseen, the brainwaves that you can't see to create magic powers, right? These focus abilities that enhance your life. So it kind of, uh, it's about something that will help you access that feeling of purpose and that, that can help drive you regardless of your job title or your role. There's something deeper in each of us that excites us and, and brings out that magic. Uh, don't you think people need to have something that's bigger than them to, you know, like some bigger goal or at least something bigger to attach themselves to? Like I, uh, I always think if you have some bigger purpose in life, it's a lot easier to go a lot farther. Kind of like, uh, you know, if I get in the car and I want to drive to California, for example, that's one journey. Um, you know, and then you look at like the preparation thing. I got to tank a gas or the car are the tires rotated. Do I have all the stuff that I need to go this far distance? Whereas I think many people just look at short trips. Like if I got to go to the gas station, I don't have to make sure I have a water. I know I'll be back at the house. So I always think about, um, you know, with, with life, uh, you know, whether it be physical, eating, whatever, um, mentally thinking about packing for a long trip. 
Yeah. You know, like, uh, like, you know, are the belts rotated? How does everything look? And I think people just look at everything as very just short little transactions. Whereas, uh, you know, like that, that's so short sighted to me. Like I'm going to eat this today. No, I'm not, you know, I'm going to eat this because I know this is going to benefit me in the future. I'm going to do this training because I know it's going to benefit me in the true future. So like stuff like this, I look at, and it's not just transactional where, Hey, I'm going to put it on and play this game and hopefully I get a good score. So I feel good about myself. I look at it like, what does this game allow me to do, you know, uh, farther down the road so that I can pack for a long trip? And you're, you're talking that, about maybe one of the most important things in life. And, and it's, it's how I think about it. And I don't know if, if that makes sense to other oh, people. It's, but like this idea of like packing for a long trip, what does the car look like? What's in the truck? Like what do I have available to me if I break down? What are these, you know, and like just like the collecting of like uh, interesting people that we have within the podcast and friends and doctors. So if something happens, I have an incredible Rolodex of people to call if my car breaks down or I lose a tire. But I also like weld and I fabricate because what if something breaks and I got to fix it on the side of the road and it helps to do all that stuff. So that and I know that's it, it's funny because I've presented this to people and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, this seems makes so much sense for me that like I got to prepare everything for this long trip. And this is what it looks like, and this is all the things that I want to do for this long for this long trip. This long, you know, and it's in the car driving, it's on an airplane. But like that's the way I view a lot of people. Where I'm like, man, you're just living a series of short trips. What that you're not wrong. That's the importance of this this goal setting. It's not just, hey, I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, I did it. Now what? And they feel this sense of, oh, it's the importance of creating and writing a goal appropriately. So that way it continues to grow and you evolve as a person. So not just losing the 30 pounds. Yeah, but, but don't, don't you think with the goal setting, like this is the thing that drives me crazy on the goal setting. People are like, oh, I have this goal. And I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in the pieces that you're breaking the goal into. Like, okay, great. And I, I deal with this all the time. Uh, hey, I, I, you know, um, I, did a, I was um, on the phone today with a you know, consult deal. But this guy like, gave me this output. And I'm like, okay, what pieces are you assembling to make sure that you get to this piece. Like everybody just has these big kind of lofty goals. But like my thought is like, what are the, you know, like if I want to knock this thing down, what are all the little dominoes that get me there? What are all the pieces? All right, so like you want to get in shape. All right, so what are you doing first thing in the morning? What are you doing on Sunday when you go shop for your food? Are you doing your food prep? Do you know how much, uh, how many calories you're burning? Okay, so I went over and I tested my BM, uh, my basal metabolic rate. So I know how many calories I'm burning at rest. How are you tracking those calories? How are you doing this? Uh, what's your metric for success and strength in the weight room? What are you doing on this side? And all of these pieces, which end up being like the culmination to get you to this goal. And I think when people think about these end goals, they don't think about how I snap it up into all these little pieces to get uh -huh. me there. Yeah, they, they need a coach. Max, what, is, did, what did those courses or the, that business talk about in terms of like providing objectives or steps to help to lead to this promised land? Yeah, you certainly need a plan. And you need a support system. You know, we, we talk about because it was for executives, your personal board of directors, you recruit family members, friends, trusted people in your life to help keep you accountable and support when you need it because you're on a journey. And, uh, you know, the, what you're describing, John, is like the hero's journey. It's this big mission that you're on. Um, Beowulf, yeah. uh, the Iliad, the Odyssey, every uh, written text. And I was a rhetoric major, classics major. And so we read every heroic tale, every 
you know, every culture has their heroic epic as their first recorded form of literature. So Absolutely. Sanskrit has one. I mean, it's pretty amazing, but they're all the same. Yeah. So Hero's like journey. if you're if you're dieting to eat less calories, how does that make you feel like, OK, good job. You did it. But if you're dieting and you're putting all these tools together in the right way to achieve this greater mission, it really has to come from you. And one of the, I think, mistakes I see in, in goal setting or in kind of this when you're trying to project a life that you want is to make sure you're connected in the right place from yourself when you're projecting out what you want. And it's not some like, I don't know, I'm going to use the word materialistic or like third party projected goal. If it's really core to who you are, and that's super fucking difficult to be that honest with yourself and really ask yourself, what do I really truly want? Man, and I bet you most people can't answer that. I mean, no. uh, I know, I mean, I know people that are 80 years old that can't answer that question. But then you also, you know, you talk to a five-year-old, so what do you want? And you'll tell them, like, like my son tells me exactly what he wants. Be a Ninja Turtle. Uh, that's <laughs> a pretty good goal. That was I, mine. I told him all the time, like, hey, like he, uh, um, he wants to be a Power Ranger. And I was like, well, we have a yeah. whole training system we can create for a Power Ranger. Like you're, like you're five, at six you can start in martial arts and we'll go through this whole thing and like, I, I laid him out this whole thing and he was like, looks like a lot of work. I'm like, what else are you going to do? <laughs> You're here for a long time. I was like, yeah, you might as well be busy. And he's like, I think that makes sense. <laughs> I uh, like your kid. That was, that was my goal too. That's I think why I got into martial arts was because of Power Rangers. Uh, I, uh, we like, so um, I'm older than you, but uh, every like TV has completely changed. When we were kids, there was like, four channels and everything sucked. I remember like the only show we ever got, like we, we ever watched was like mash was on a bunch for some reason. And then like in the summer, <laughs> like, did, did, you ever, did you ever see that? Yeah. There was a movie or a TV show called mash. that was on every night and it was really the only TV that we ever saw. It was like mash and fantasy Island when I was little. I can't, you don't even know what fantasy Island is. Uh, I know of the jokes that yeah, people make about it, but I don't know. Ricardo it. Montalban will come to fantasy Island. So, uh, and then the summer when we were at home, there was like chips and like, I think it was emergency with the only two shows. Um, but on Saturdays, uh, if you didn't get up early for cartoons, whatever, like in the afternoon after we did everything, we'd come back and it was like Kung Fu theater. So mm-hmm. they just used to show all of these old like seventies, eighties, like bitchin' Kung Fu movies. It was like legend of this and this. And like, I was just always fascinated by like not only the training system, like to master Kung Fu, the training must be severe. Um, and like there was all these bitchin' movies and it was always like this young guy goes and meets a master and then the training they go through so that he can, you know, hero's journey typically. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember just like, just being amazed by this stuff and then finally getting to go to martial arts and this old Japanese dude used to just kick our ass. Like we, he, he had a, like a, um, a bamboo boken, you know, a, a boken's like a, a whole bunch of strips of bamboo that they weave together with, um, with like, a, like fine twine, kind of like not rope. So like a cane or? Yeah, no, it's a sword, but okay. it's wrapped. So it's kind of flexible. So this old man used to walk around and he would beat us with this thing. Like you'd be like in your horse stance and he you would crack horse. you. Oh yeah. And it was all hard, hardwood floors. And so I remember he would like smash us with this thing constantly, like hit you on the shin, hit you on this. And we would have to do like all these different poses and hold them like the punches. And he would crack you on the arm and he was just walk around and hit you with this thing. And I remember I went home and told my mom, I'm like, mom, this dude beats us with a sword. And she's like, yeah, it's martial arts. Like, what did you think was going to happen? You've seen the movies. 
And I was like, oh, okay, I guess this isn't a big deal. Now kids today, that guy would be arrested. Yeah. But like everything was like hard wooden floors. So we, you know, we would like work in anytime we did any sparring or any throws or anything. Like you got slammed on these hard floors. Like there was no mats. Yeah. Uh, and then, and I'm sure you remember, we, uh, we had to kneel for literally like while somebody was doing something, you had to basically kneel on this hard wooden. That's probably why I can't kneel to this day. I'm like, I still want to throw up if I kneel on hardwood. But it was, uh, it was just, I just figured that was part of the deal. We watched all the movies. They were pretty severe. The old man beat us with sticks. He was Japanese. Next thing I know. NFL. Boom. NFL. Boom. <laughs> happened just like that. But I, like it, like I, but what's crazy is I'm sure there's a ton of kids that watch that stuff that never walk into a dojo. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what that is. You know, it, uh, I'm glad that you're supporting your son and his mission to be a Power Ranger Ninja Turtle. That might have something to do with the fact that not all those kids who like those things go into that. Maybe they don't have those opportunities or, you know, maybe they just like the movies and they don't actually want to, to jump into them. Well, yeah. One of your meditations is set in an in intention. So, yes. that, I mean, if you you're in the zone, you allow people to get into the zone and then truly think about it. And the cool thing is like you can replay these meditations daily until you finally find an intention that you are looking for. So if it is getting into the zone quickly and then exploring the depths of the mind, man, it's, it's certainly a tool to help find that a goal. Um, I wonder if people are more active if they have something that they're using it for. Like you, you made a great point earlier about if you want to live a long life, you have to have purpose. I wonder if like there's almost a questionnaire. I'd like, I'd be fascinated to know by the people doing it, even with some like a little bit of questionnaire on the front side, like how are you using this? What's your intended outcome? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I mean, we, we've done that with our programs and uh, I, I still would love to collect that data of like, how are you using this? What's your intended outcome? What do you know your mark for, for success is? And uh, I'd be fascinated to see that piece and just do some surveys um, just because it's amazing. Like people are usually pretty honest with surveys, especially if they're invested, they, they purchase the tech, they're using it and then they get a survey. Uh, that would be pretty fascinating to know, you know, what they're using it for. Um, you know, like, oh, I just thought it'd be fun that my friend got me this or somebody or I listened to Power Athlete Radio and next thing I know I went and bought it. Or other people that are like, I want to sharpen my blade as sharp as I can and I'm doing all this physical training. This is the mental piece that, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, and like I'm just thinking like what I've come across that measures cognitive ability like this. Like I remember I got sent Fuck, it was almost like this thing that went on your head uh, that had these little nubs. The headphones? No, it was like headphones. You remember that had nubs? And they were talking about like neuroplasticity, that they could stimulate mm-hmm. neuroplasticity. Right, by putting, yeah. Yeah, you remember that one? That, yep. that one I, I, I got sent, uh, and they made all these kind of preposterous claims. I used it. I didn't see any of it. And mm-hmm. I even hit them back. I'm like, uh, you know, because they were telling me, hey, this is the intended outcome. This is what you're going to see. And I used it for six months. And I was their, like, their problem was their poster boy was A.B. Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah. And then everything went south. And they're like, ah, we yeah. never heard from them again. Well, they, they got a lot of VC money. So the problem is when you take a lot of VC money, people that do those, that type of investment want a big return. And so then they go out and they probably spend it on, in some ways they shouldn't have. So, but, yeah, that was another, like, that, that piece has always been pretty fascinating for me. It's like, how do you measure cognitive ability? And more importantly, what can you do to increase it and then show me that it increased? Well, you got one of those tools in front of you now. Now I got one. Now let's play with it and try to break it. 
That's, <laughs> that's the, our motto. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do. People send us stuff, we put it into the machine, and then we try to break it. Amazing. And see and, and see how far we can push it. But uh, yeah, no. now I'm I'm gonna bring it into the weight room. So yeah. Just see what happens. No, I'm um, I'm excited. Uh, especially if I got to go on a road trip, I'm gonna put it on myself and the kids. I'm gonna mess with mm-hmm. them. I want to see like I'm gonna make them compete. I'll be like, who's got the highest level of focus? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. And then they're because uh, my one daughter, uh, she will totally melt down. It'll be great. Well, this is a tool to help her. Maybe it will. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, uh, uh, kids are super interesting. Um, some kids are like super switched on from day one. And I think others like have a tough time. Like my one daughter has a little bit, uh, trouble managing stress. So like if she like, for example, I'll hear her like cry. I'm like, why are you crying? And she's like, I can't find my socks. And mm. I'm, and I'm always like, uh, tell her, I'm like, well, is not finding your socks like emotional, like on the emotional spectrum. Like to me, not finding socks would be like nowhere near like the level. Like crying is pretty far on this side of the emotional spectrum. Like mm-hmm. the fact that like that's her emotional, like the first step in her emotional spectrum. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, that's an interesting one. Like where my other daughter's like, I'm like, hey, uh, what are socks? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if I have socks. She, she's like, I've never worn them, and I'm like, uh, I find them around. She's like, oh, I put those on, like to the point where I'm like, <laughs> like. Like, so like I, I have one daughter who um, I'm pretty sure will figure out time travel. She's super smart. Like doesn't like, what are socks? Do I even have those? I'd be like, yeah, you leave them in the garage all the time. And then I have one daughter, like this is just an example. But like trying to get them ready out of the house today, it was hilarious. Uh, I passed Kelly on her route to the barn. she give you a finger? She was not in the best of moods. <laughs> yeah, well, she couldn't find her socks. Mm. And it was raining. So we, uh, we... About four and a half years ago, uh, I lived in Newport Beach. We sold our place and we moved out here to Austin. Now we live on a big piece of property. And my neighbor has um, 50 horses and they have a horse school. So my daughter rides. And then this summer, she's, she's nine, uh, has worked as a camp counselor, which I think is hysterical because she works all day and then she rides at night. And uh, I'm like, don't you want to go to like summer camps or like do this? She's like, no, I just want to do this. So then she talked her sister into being a camp counselor. So now they like have to walk over there and it's, it's pretty funny watching them try to get out of the house to go to, to go to like their work. And like my one daughter's like, I don't know what she's doing. She's like up counting butterflies in her room. And my other daughter's like panicking because she can't find her socks. And I'm like, this, you guys are like, could not be, and they're twins, mind you. So they could not be polar opposite. I call them the Gemini twins. Just too identical. I mean, there's, I mean, complete opposites. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they, how they react to focus calm and, uh, also the daughter who maybe has more room to grow the level of improvement. She may actually be the one who sees faster improvement in these skills. Well, if, uh, if it can teach her to relax and like, um, not go to like emotion as her first, uh, like, you know, like I, I don't mean like emotion in, that, in a negative way, but like yeah. the first step in like stress shouldn't be like that, like, you know, four alarm fire start crying. Like, I, I think, like, man, if I come across somebody crying, it's because, you know, either something pretty severe happened or what. But, like, I'm, like, here crying. I'm, like, what's going on? Did you stub your toe? Did you cut your finger off? She's, like, I can't find my socks. I'm, like, all right, we definitely need focus calm. I'm going to put, put the headphone, head on there. Yeah, you also have a wellness calendar, which I appreciate in school. Like, if I was managing a team, certainly that, that check-in. We have a readiness score with our training programs, sleep, soreness, and then, like, this wellness because if this directly connects to, uh, you know, the, the everything outside my world, if I'm working with high school or college kids, 
this can help make that connection to utilizing these tools in their daily life. Uh, I found those wellness surveys are so much more accurate. Like um, I've, I've worn a whoop. Uh, I wear this. Um, I'm not wearing it now, but I wear a Garmin. And, uh, you know, whoop will give you like a readiness score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found it completely inaccurate. The mm-hmm. days that I felt I was like green to crush the world were the days I like had the poorest performance. The days where I was like, you know, you shouldn't train today were the days yeah. I actually I went out and smashed it. And wow. so I don't know how their algorithm worked or how. And I even we hit them up to try to come on the podcast to explain it to me. And they ghosted us. So <laughs> they booked it and then they ghosted us because I like hit him with like 100 questions. They were probably like, oh, fuck, this guy used our tech for a year. We don't need to open this shit up. Um, but that's always been really interesting. Uh, and when I started looking at a bunch of the research on this readiness deal, you know, you can look and try to classify all this stuff. But at the end of the day, the most accurate is like, how'd you sleep? Good. All right. How, how are you feeling? Like, what's your readiness to train? Do you feel, you know, relaxed? And all the questions that we ask. Like those are pretty indicative. The people that that score the highest on those wellness tend to have the best training days, but it's not a hundred percent. So, yeah. you know, it's it's interesting that you guys bring up the the whole coaching aspect. Uh, pretty early on, we realized the potential for this to be a tool for coaches, not just individual athletes or people looking for better mental wellness. Uh, so there's there's the team portal in the app, and you can set someone up as the the team manager or the coach. And then the coach can add people and just for the people on the team, it's kind of like a little private uh, area of the app where you can see your team members aggregate data. So like how much is the whole team spending, how much time, how many minutes are they spending in this focus calm space? How much improvement is the team having? And then if the individual athletes or users want to, they can share their data with their team and their manager. So the team manager can go in and, see people's individual performance and what they're doing in the app and things like this. So we can, you know, empower coaches at afar, even if they have a distributed team, they can all be doing the focus calm together and track improvement. So we should have a team power athlete. Uh, I'm in. Yeah. So we got, uh, well to compete uh, with them, Yeah, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, thousands of people that check our pro or that are following our training programs on train heroic. It'd be interesting to, you know, when this comes out, being able to push this tech out to people and get them to join us. And, um, I mean, uh, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, as yeah. I was kind of, uh, it was funny. It was sitting on my desk, text dropped it off and like it, like something got piled on top of it. And then the other day you were like, Hey man, you got to get that thing. We're having the podcast. And I'm like, well, the one thing I hate is, uh, and you, you know, this, um, if we have somebody on the podcast, especially as tech, it's so transparent if somebody hasn't used it and it mm-hmm. looks disingenuous. I'm sure it's a waste of your time and ours. You know, we come on, you're talking about it, and you're like, well, have you used it? Well, I don't know. I didn't have the fucking time. And uh, I think it's a good, you know, if you're going to invest your time, we got to invest ours. So I pulled it out, fired it up, threw it on, and I was like, oh, shit, this thing's pretty cool. We, a couple years ago, we had Dr. Chris Morris on. At the time, he was uh, sports science for Kentucky. Since took a new position, we got to connect with him. But uh, I think he's still at Kentucky, I think. Or or did he I don't know. I, I got to touch base, but okay. his big thing for his athletes was HRV, and mm. he was aiming to regulate the the volume, workout, sprint, training, weights, all that good stuff, and and communicate that to the coaches. And his biggest, his number one for his team was meditation, mm. which then improved sleep, training, and all these things that he would you know pull freaking, it's like pulling teeth to get the kids in, and so. A, that moment you realize this dude's profession he he's not going to lie to us i need to do meditation so now like thankful met dana at summer strong again to 
she introduced it. I got to try it on. And then it's like, okay, I now have this tool. I understand from Chris Morris, like this is very important. So this has helped me just be yeah, consistent. But, uh, the one thing, and, and I, I shot this to Dana, or I don't know if I discussed it with her. Um, I think when people think about meditation, like you talked about, it's legs crossed on the pillow and somebody's taking it through it. And like I have some meditation apps. Uh, I find my best form of meditation come in tasks. Like, uh, like for example, if I have to weld, um, I like I find like the rhythmic nature and the sound and like you know all like the process, like that is my deep meditation and like being able to you know do some form of uh, like I mean it, it, it's control but like controlling the puddle, getting it to look right, going through the patterns, yep. and so like when we lift weights. Uh, like that piece of like, you know, underneath and you're in this moment and like you're able to kind of take it to a different place, like under some form of heavy load. Like I think that there's opportunities to meditate, but I don't know if that's just focus, but it's almost like uh, something where you're able to kind of disassociate and kind of go to a little bit of a higher level of, of uh, training, which is honestly, when you look at like the Shaolin and that, like they're training through meditation or their meditation through training and like the accomplishing right. of these like insane tasks, like the dude's like, you know, standing underneath a waterfall for, you know, hours, feeling it drop on his head, like that form of meditation. Yeah. So the, the key here is what are you trying to do? Are you trying <laughs> to get super sick at meditation? Cause like you want to be a monk or are you trying to build skills that you can use? Are you trying to be calmer and more focused? And wouldn't it be nice if you could build those skills, and this is true, build those skills with a variety of tools. It's not just meditation. That's one awesome training tool in your toolbox to get into that state. But welding is another one, doing the neurofeedback games, doing the focus games, the different challenges that we have in the app. These are all different ways to get what you really want, which is a more focused and calm mind. So it's it's I think it opens focus calm opens people's minds this idea that oh yeah i probably should be doing meditation i know that's good for me well i can get those benefits by it sounds funny but playing these games right meditation is certainly a big part of focus calm but my favorite part is to play the games i like to make the rocket ship fly i like to do the different challenges like that's when i can get in the zone and it's something that i learned about myself too which is that challenge actually helps me get in that zone if it's too out there then my mind starts to wander and I kind of go off on something. Uh, maybe well, that's something I need to improve, but it's actually the games that I love the most. Isn't that the bigger issue? I mean, uh, and you, dude, you, you hit it right on the head. We're not trying to meditate to get better at meditating. And I think what's fascinating is you have people that meditate then all of a sudden go over here and the minute they open their eyes and get out of the meditation are super stressed. Yes. So it's almost as if they need to like, and, and this was part of my, uh, my rib with some of this stuff is like, um, you need more calm when you're, uh, doing the tasks. So you're hoping that you do one thing that carries over to the other. Shouldn't there be some form of like uh, meditation, some form of like focus? Shouldn't there be a task or a way for you to improve that level of like, I guess, uh, you know, whatever it is, range capacity while you're stressed out or yes. while you're in tasks? It's kind of like uh, I can meditate all I want, but the best form of meditation happened when I would run up to the line and get in my stance and I was playing in the game. Yes. And I was like, I wish I could reach that level of meditation but the stress is what allows me to reach it. Like sitting around, you know, Lotus pose on a pillow, you know, <laughs> doing like that didn't, that never worked for me. 
Yeah, I think that's the mantra too. Doing, doing. Yeah, well, it, I, I was laying there last night doing it, and my, my and I had my son go down or lay down. I had him do belt like, uh, like yeah, put yeah, his yeah. hand on his stomach so he can feel his breasts, and I had him count the breasts, and all of a sudden it went, doom. And I was like, yes. Who, Max, calm. who's the voice? I, I know you got a male and a female. Yeah, so we have uh, this meditation teacher who's fantastic, super down to earth, which kind of fits our brand, um, which is like. You know, let's let's do the work and build these skills. His name is Fez Oswat. He's a Boston, a Boston local. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a sports psychologist from Boston University named Marla Zucker. And then we also have Dana in the app too. And that um, you know what you guys are talking about about the tasks. If people are interested, I'll I'll just you know tell everyone in the app the focus games. Man, that, those are hard to stay relaxed during. And that's the point. Like you have to use your mind in different ways, either decision-making, reaction speed, uh, you know, thinking, uh, different pattern recognition, things like this, navigating away from obstacles. You're doing that in the app, but in order to win, you also have to keep your mind relaxed. And that's the hardest part or the biggest challenge that we give people in the app is, can you stay calm while on task? That's what this is about. That's what we're talking about, taking it off the cushion and, and bringing it into the real world. Badass. Boom. So if people are interested and want to get this, which we highly recommend because we're going to be using it too, uh, how do they find it? Like where do they find more information, uh, website, blog, social media? Yeah, so www.focuscom.com. Cool. That's the best place to go. And our, our handle is the same on uh, Instagram. Uh, we're being more and more active on Instagram. Dana and I just did a IG Live last week, so we're going to be doing that. Uh, once per week going forward to teach people about these concepts and and talk to some you know badass people about how they use this technology and how it's changing their lives uh you gonna get on tiktok and do some of texas tiktok dances he's real big on tiktok big time just at mcquilkin everyone follow tiktok yeah it's so weird power athletes on tiktok yeah you're over there doing the juicy and all these other dances i'm that's what makes me so popular on there i'm trying to mimic the best touchdown dances in the world and through my uh, focus calm practice it's only going to improve john i uh, you know what don't let me be the wedge that stands between you and tiktok greatness and your purpose and your purpose yeah, that's it that's what i'm training for uh, yeah i still can't guess that one so well cool <laughs> uh dude thank you so much for coming on power athlete radio it was super enlightening thank you for so much for sending over the tacking and letting us try it and uh Man, I hope that people listen to this, want to jump on board. And if uh, you guys are following a power athlete program, uh, we're going to set up a team power athlete, which I think would be fascinating to kind of start drawing some connections between the two and and offer a little bit of this uh, mental coaching. So thanks for tuning in. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can follow Max's work on Instagram at Focus Calm. Until next time. Bye!